Okay, let's start with some praise. Namah Vishnu Vidaya Krishna Vasaya Mahatma Bhakti Vidanta Swami Nityananda Namaste Sarasvati Dev Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya Purunjananda Shri Advaita Gadatha Shri Vasana Gauru Bhakti Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama Rama Okay, so I wasn't too sure what uh, what we can talk about, but um, you know, one of the good things about PS is that uh, you get a chance to take on responsibility at a young age. And what that does is, as you take up responsibility, you get access to pure devotees. Um, and that means spending time with them, learning from them. So uh, PS is a great platform for doing that. So some years back, uh, I was helping out with a mentorship system in PS. And um, Sachin Nandamaraj at that time was kind of getting more involved with PS. And he asked a few of us to come and spend some time with him in Germany. So at that time, it was Sham Gopal, Naveen, myself, Bhutavavana, Vrindavan Bihari, five of us. So he asked us to come and spend a weekend with him in Germany. And uh, he was staying at a devotee's house and he had a, a house on the lake. So uh, he said, come and spend some time with me and tell me about some of the issues you guys are going through in your mentorship system and I'll see if I can help. And we thought chances to spend time with such an marriage, you don't say no. So we went there and uh, it was really nice. We spent some time in such an marriage. And then on one day he said, tomorrow we're going to go for a drive. So we all got in a van early in the morning, we drove for a few hours, and then um, we got to Berlin. And so we got out of the car, took a short walk, and uh, Sachin Andamaraj took us to this place where there's a section of the Berlin Wall that they've preserved. Uh, so you guys are all fresh in your history lessons, so someone give me a 30 second summary of the Berlin Wall. I'm going to pick someone, you pick someone, go on. We don't history teachers in here. Marduk? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Someone else. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, maybe Ram. Ram? Oh, really? Good thing. Good thing. Good thing. Good thing. 30 seconds. Okay, so the Berlin Wall is as a result of, at the end of the Second World War, um, Germany was split into different sides, um, being basically the East and the West, so Russia and the Western countries. And therefore, Berlin also got split up into West Berlin and East Berlin. And the Berlin Wall was basically made by the, the Russians as a blockade to keep the people um, in West Berlin, inside West Berlin, the people from the um, US and UK side of the, uh, Berlin in, in that section. Um, yeah. Yeah, perfect. And so it broke in, in the 90s. Yeah. So, so they basically, because they had different ideologies, the communist Russians and the, the democratic uh, Western allies, they, um, they just put a wall in the middle of the country. And so, I mean, Berlin was just recovering from the Second World War, so it wasn't a particularly uh, great situation on, on the west side of Germany. It was a little bit better than the east side. Um, but when they put that wall up, they put it up so quickly that there's some people who had family members who were stuck on the other side and they couldn't get across. So they put this wall and then uh, subsequently they built another wall and in between was this area called No Man's Land. It was about 160 feet and along that... Uh, space there was like they'd put mines there was watchtowers they'd have guards on the watchtowers that would shoot you if you tried to go across they'd have traps uh, there's barbed wire on the walls so you know almost impossible to to get across um, so just some stats it was 96 miles long uh, there was 302 of these watchtowers so such an image took us to one particular watchtower uh, 20 bunkers 55,000 landmines 260 dogs and they had machine guns which were activated by trip wires. Trip to <coughs> machine guns, okay. So, Maharaj took us to this section, told us a brief history of the Berlin Wall. And then uh, he told me something that I, it was really a, quite a profound thing uh, for me, which I, I reflected on when I went back, and I'll, I'll tell you some of those realizations. Um, so, he was telling us about some of the stories of people who tried to cross over, who tried to go from the east to the west. So, um, so some people would try and dig tunnels, right? Obvious one, just go under it. But obviously they didn't have proper equipment and stuff, so while they were digging the tunnels, and these tunnels were just like enough for one guy <coughs> to crawl through. Um, you know, there's no proper supports or anything, so many people in this escape, the tunnel would just collapse and they'd just be buried alive. 
Um, and you can imagine, and the, because they didn't have proper tools, these tunnels would take weeks, months, some cases years to, to dig. But, you know, these people persevered to just keep digging through that tunnel to get to the other side. You can imagine, you know, you can just about fit through a tunnel. One, one guy lying down, no proper air, no, no ventilation, nothing. So that was those guys. Then um, another one was uh, they would get bed sheets and basically over years like collect enough material to to build essentially a hot air balloon and uh so they would spend you know again weeks months years stitching all this cloth together um getting engine parts to create a motor for the hot air balloon and then when the time was right they would try and fly over it and that's pretty futile i mean it just takes one bullet in the hot air balloon and that thing comes crashing down but these are some of the ways that people tried to do it uh, another one is people would like um, there's a, a group of brothers and they, two of them learned archery and then they shot a, a zip line across from one building to the other side and the, other, the brother was, one brother was on the other side so he tied it to the back of his car and then drove a little bit to make it taut and then they would zip line, zip line across but they spent like, you know, again weeks or months learning archery just to shoot the zip line over and then this one was crazy so uh, they would get a car like imagine a convertible but you take the, the windscreen off so no roof on your car and certain sections along the wall, there was a, they put a concrete barrier. So the idea was that you drive into the concrete barrier fast enough that you'd be thrown out the car when it crashed. <laughs> you'd make it far enough across the first wall and into no man's land that you'd be able to recover from the fall, get out and make it across to the other side. <laughs> so uh, so Mara just telling us these stories and I'm thinking, this is getting a bit dark now. Um, and then he said something he said he said just imagine the determination and conviction of these people to just go from a place of like one material situation to a slightly better material situation just look at the determination and fearlessness that they had to get across and then he said and how much determination do we have knowing that on the other side is Krishna in the spiritual world. So, I mean, that was, I thought that was a really powerful um, lesson that he, he brought out from this. And so, when we got back, I, I started reflecting on this, why Maharaj picked this particular example. But he made a lot of effort to take us all the way to Berlin and, you know, speak to us at the Berlin Wall. And I was thinking that actually, the, there's a few realisations I had which... Um, if you look at the, the plight of these people trying to get across, actually our journey in Krishna consciousness is very similar. Like we, we have some of the same challenges. <coughs> so the first one is, imagine the, the decision making they had to kind of do right at the beginning to decide that, okay, I'm going to go across the wall. And it's like when we come into Krishna consciousness, and not only just when we first come into Krishna consciousness, but actually... Because I'm a lot older than most of you. And when you when you go along, there are times in your life where you have to kind of re recommit yourself to the process and understand like you have to fire yourself up to that actually this is my life and soul and I'm gonna dedicate myself to the practice of Krishna consciousness and I'm gonna make it back home. You know? You have to constantly do that throughout your life. But these guys imagine they made that decision, I'm gonna go over the wall. So that determination has to come. And, and it has to be a strong will determination. And such an undermarriage, uh, I think one of the mentorship uh, programs, he talked about, you know, this thing of Sankalpa and, and making making this vow and promise to yourself that we're going to, you know, we're going to do this. So um, so this is a letter to Gargamuni. Not, not this one. Uh, not that old. So, uh, so f this is Prabhupada. So far I'm concerned, I always take risk for Krishna. I am here in your country take, risking my life. So to take risk for Krishna is very good. History of my starting the society in 1966, it was all risky and I was alone. But I took it, depending on Krishna. And now if you look at Srila Prabhupada's life, so Srila Prabhupada, he, you know, like we generally talk about Srila Prabhupada's life when he came to the West. But from a very young age, Srila Prabhupada was always kind of serving and looking to propagate Krishna consciousness, even, even as a young Grihastha. So he was very much involved with the Gaudiya Math and always trying to do something to, to promote Krishna consciousness. But imagine, at, you know, despite a whole life of service, 
and he was very recognized you know for the service he'd done his whole life he'd served but still at the age of you know at his age even though he could just stay in Vrindavan chant go back home to Godhead he decided to risk and not risk his life even when people are telling him that Swamiji you're gonna you know not you're probably not gonna make this one don't do it still he took that risk that risk he took for us but also for Krishna so you can see even in the life of Srila Prabhupada and many other devotees in our movement even those who are recent how much risk they take to constantly give and make that determination that I'm going to make it back home to Krishna so that was the first part um, and then secondly was so you imagine these guys they made that endeavor to okay I'm going to go across the wall and then so much time they spent kind of preparing to make that journey and like you know like we hear that Krishna consciousness is a, it's a marathon not a sprint and as you get older you, you realize that more and more that you have to like constantly constantly put in the endeavor and effort it's a <coughs> gradual process because we're so conditioned millions and billions of lifetimes of just conditioning you know it takes a little while to to clean the heart and um but you can see the determination of these, even just for a material thing. This is for a material thing that they wanted. They would spend, like, you know, weeks and months kind of ri and risking their lives while doing it to prepare themselves for that journey. So we have, we know our practice of sadhana bhakti, how to get across with chanting, <coughs> following the four regulatory principles, reading regularly, associating with devotees, doing some service. All these things, you know, like, and it's a, it's a constant thing you have to do so that when that final time to make that journey comes, you're, you're ready. And then, so imagine they made that over the first wall and they're now in no man's land. Now, <coughs> I was thinking that that no man's land is kind of like Maya. So you've done all the prep and now you're making the journey and it's kind of like you've prepped, you've made the journey, you're ready to make the journey but now the challenge has actually come. And as you practice Krishna consciousness, that's, that's what happens. When you get closer to Krishna, Maya then comes in to, to test you even further. Are you actually determined enough to make this way across? And you imagine for some of these guys who are trying to cross that wall, you're getting to no man's land, you, you know, the, 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 uh, the watch guard tower sees you, um, or you know, you see like a, a trap or something like that. You have a choice. You have a choice to just stay where you are, you have a choice to go back, or you have a choice to make it forward. And it's similar with us. When we have challenges in our life that will come, that will make the practice of Krishna consciousness difficult, uh, you know, material things will come in our way and distract us from the path, we have to make a decision. Are we going to stand still? Are we going to go back? Are we going to go away from Krishna? Or are we going to carry on? So, you know, yeah. We, we have to, like, uh, you know, there's that saying, the darkest is always before the dawn. So in many ways, you know, Krishna consciousness is like that. As you... When you start getting serious, then, you know, the challenges will come. Because as you start the process, you start to clean the heart. And you clean the heart, all this dust comes up. And then you start seeing that dust. And you think, oh, actually, am I making progress or am I, am I getting worse? But actually, those things are coming to the surface. You just have to keep going, fight for all of that. And then you'll see as that dust settles, then actually, you know, the, our real consciousness starts to shine through. Then uh, the final one was... What was interesting, all these guys who made it across, none of them did it by themselves. They all had help from someone. So either they did it as a group of people, uh, someone helped them to get the preparation ready to go across. Nobody could make it across alone. And actually, our practice of Krishna consciousness is just the same. It has to be done in the association of devotees. And uh, some people who made it across, they had help from the other side. So that's why the association of pure devotees is really important. Because they're on the other side. <coughs> so they can help from that, but also from this side. And that's why I think PS is really good. And particularly, um, you know, like, you know, this is a boys program. So it's like, you know, this brotherhood that you have in PS, I tell you, there, there's nothing else like it. We are the most fortunate devotees because we have this brotherhood of devotees. In, in PS, uh, I remember when Bhakti Charaswami used to come. You, you know, he used to have a slogan. You can turn it. You can turn this into a hoodie if you want. Uh, he used to say, "Born center, die center." And uh, you know, like, even though a lot of us are a lot, a lot older now, you know, we still have this affinity to to PS. That will, it will never go. And so, like, 
you know, you realize it as you get older that, you know, these boys that you're serving with, these boys in this room who you're serving with, you know, they, together you will make that journey and whatever challenges and stuff that you guys have, you know, together you have to help each other to do it. So don't let small things get in the way. Don't let arguments get in the way. Don't let differences get in the way. Understand the only way you'll get across is with, with each other. And that's why this principle of, um, like, you know, not offending devotees is so important. Because to make it across alone is impossible. So, yeah, just uh, keep that one in mind. And even like uh, Kandamakana Swami recently, one of his things, he said, um, you know, making, making it to Krishna is not about you, it's about who you're taking with you. You know, he said that recently. So... I thought that was a very, very powerful thing. And like, uh, you can see like someone like him, especially in his life, um, you know, like constantly mission focused, right to the end, right to the end, making that journey. You know, you don't, you don't, you don't give up till you get to the other side. And so even though this thing about the Berlin Wall was a material kind of journey that people were making, you know, because we are conditioned, because, you know, we're, 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 we're in that stage of Christian value where we're still conditioned, we're still neophyte devotees. The, the spiritual and the material uh, are rather bl blurred for us. So, you know, this same thing of making um, determination, like even, you know, like Shruti Dhamma, one of the first uh, instructions he gave me, he said, he said, wake up early, have a cold shower, and then do your revision. So nothing spiritual technically, just telling you to help you later revise. But actually what that was doing was, you know, at my stage, was it was bringing me more to the mode of goodness. And then, you know, if you can fight uh, snoozing, if you can wake up early, if you can fight the comfort of having a cold, uh, warm shower, it just helps you to get your determination. So then I find it much easier to chant in the morning. I find it much easier to do my reading in the morning. So even at this stage, at a material stage, you know, you have to, you have to stretch yourself a little bit even materially and make your determination even in your material life so that your spiritual life, your practice of your spiritual life becomes easier. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I thought this, uh, this uh, little thing with um, the boys at the Berlin Wall, I just thought it was such an incredible example that such an Maharaj gave us. Because... Uh, um, yeah, you know, it's it, it's the same. You know, we're trying to escape this material world. We're trying to escape it together. There are challenges along the way. Um, and we have to be prepared for those challenges. And we have to help each other with those challenges. And then eventually uh, you can make it across. And it's good to have help from people on the other side. So, um, yeah, that was a few reflections from, from that time at the Berlin Wall. Uh, maybe, Shankar, you were here. If you've got anything to, uh, that you remember from that. <laughs> no, no, I really like the point about determination, but I think life is really easy to like plan and clearly be good plans, but we get to make maybe a week later away and we've got these thoughts and have to keep picking that back up. <coughs> I found like sometimes you can do like very passive hearing. So like you hear it but you just don't you don't change anything. You just you feel good about it, you know. It's like even like you know, like people love social media where you hear stuff and it just it makes you feel good. But it's just a good feeling. You don't, you have to act on it. So something has to change. So like let's say if you're listening to a class about chanting, like you have to, you have to practically change something. So it's like okay, well if I was inspired by that tomorrow, I have to wake up early earlier, um, or you know I have to be more attentive tomorrow. Like you have to do something with that information. Like just hearing it and feeling good is. But that's that's the that's the thing, right? Like that's the you have to make that decision. You have to make it. That's one thing because we have free will. Like nobody else is going to do it for us. You can hear it to as many as inspiring classes as you want, but until you act on that, nothing will happen. And that's again a good thing if you can do it together. Like um, I remember ages ago, like struggling to wake up early. So then a few of us got together and said, "Okay, let's we call each other in the morning, make sure we're up." Then I delete them because I don't. Want to <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, you have to do something practical with the with the thing. Then 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 I find then it will sink in and see it becomes a habit then. 
you hear something, you're inspired by it, then you do something about it. So then now every time you hear something, you'll do something about it. Every time you read something, you'll do something about it. But yeah, otherwise you can get into the opposite habit, which is I hear it, I feel good about it, I just wait to hear the next one. That's what I have, bro. So. I, have, I have a question. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so you're talking a lot about risks and in, for that some of these guys like to take when crossing the wall. Uh, but when I feel like nowadays, like risk, risk is like one of the things that devotees back in the day, like you, like you guys from PS and like devotees and Prabhupada first came, like these were some of the things they had to do, like to kind of start the movement off. But like, is there a way? And that like really helped in these devotion, devo- in their devotional lives. But mm. is there any way like I don't feel like there's many risks we have now, the new devoted generation, in like in terms of like outreach and preaching, and Cherry Krishna consciousness. But like, so is there is there a risk we can take, or am I just not seeing churches? I tell you the flip side. So if you see like the early devotees, they didn't have anything, no resource. They didn't have all of Prabhupada's books. When they first started, they just had some coming out. And like, before a book was even published, they would just get photocopies. They'd have to photocopy. So we have Prabhupada's books. They didn't have the books. We have, especially us. You know, like, um, you know what's interesting is like, it's, it's the mindset. So like, I, I saw this stat that um, 60% of Americans who earn quarter of a million dollars a year live paycheck to paycheck so like 60% of like some of the most wealthy people are living like beggars month to month they're living so and like if you're in this room most likelihood is you're in the top 5% of fortunate people on the planet just the fact that you, you live in London, you're probably in the top 5%. It doesn't feel like it, right? But Because we live in our own bubble and we only see in that reference. So you, you're, you're part of the top 5% of like fortunate people on the planet. So one way you could say is that it's your responsibility to help the other 95 because you're in a privileged position. And um, so we have all these resources now so in one sense, easier to take risks. Like an entrepreneur, right? So he takes a he takes a risk in the so he has a hundred quid and he thinks, okay, I'm gonna start a business. He's put it all on the line. If he messes up that hundred quid, it's all gone. But if you have someone who's running a successful business, he's making money. He takes a hundred pound, but it's a hundred pound from his pocket. If it if he blows it and starting a new venture, no risk. So like one could argue that we are we have all the resources available, particularly in the UK, because we have like the manor and, you know, like we're, we're very fortunate you have PS, PS with a 50 grand budget. We had six, just to let you know. <laughs> <laughs> but like, do you know what I mean? It's good. It's good that you have these. So like, you should not be afraid of anything. Like you should be thinking bigger than even they were thinking back in the day because they were limited by their resources. You, you have less limitation. So I think... Um, I think you're in a better position to take risks. I think you should take, you should go wild with the risks. Yeah. You know, even like, um, like, like our parents' generation, my parents' generations, um, you know, they, some of them came from East Africa having been kicked out. So they came with nothing. They came with nothing. They had to build their entire life from scratch. So you can understand with them, okay, they were less inclined to take risks. You know, most of you are going to inherit something, you, you know, you're going to a good school, you're probably going, you know, you're going to be alright, you'll probably never be on the streets. Most likely. <laughs> Some of you I question, but <laughs> most, most likely, even if you are on the streets, London streets are not that bad, believe me. So, um, <laughs> unless you're in East London. But, um, so, like, you, your, your ability to take risk is like, you should go for it. You have nothing holding you back. And what will happen is, and like, see, this is the thing, like those Americans, it's like, if you pick up a material mindset, the material mindset makes you always feel like you don't have enough. 
And so you're always worried. Oh, if I take a risk, I'll lose this. If I take a risk, I might not be able to do this. So you're always in a constant state of fear and worry. But like, you have you have material resources, you have <coughs> Srila Prabhupada's books, and more than that now, because the movement has been going on for so long, you have like access to incredible devotees. Like literally, at a phone call, at a program, like walking down the corridor at the manor, you come across like, Incredible devotees, like you have everything you need to go crazy with this. So I wouldn't worry. Thank you. Any questions? Oh, sorry, should be answering questions. <laughs> yeah, what were you saying that you know when you have more, it brings in complacency. You become mm. complacent, right? You don't you don't value it. Like people who came from you know East Africa or wherever, you know they they had a need. More, 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 and less and less kick. When yeah. you have plenty, it, it, you take it for granted. Yeah. How do you stop that? I mean, I think there's a big thing with austerity. Like, we don't, uh, we don't practice austerity as much as, like, it's, it's easy to avoid austerity, particularly in the UK. So that means you have to voluntarily take it on. Like that instruction Sri Dhamma gave me. Like, in one sense, he was. He was telling me, to, knowing that my life is comfortable, he was telling me to like, take on some austerities of waking up early, process, voluntarily taking on austerities. Then you become better at it. Um, but yeah, you, like, it's like the guys crossing the wall, right? Like, the material situation was a little bit better. But, like, th so there was an understanding at least that it's better. So we have to understand that actually. Because, and again, the same problem. Because we're in that 5%, we're complacent. Yeah. And actually, life is not that bad because you're in the top 5%. Absolutely. <coughs> but if you were, you know, you have to understand that this is like, we're in a bubble here in this 5%. It's not real life, you know. So you have to be careful because this is a big trick in the material world. But actually, nah, it's not that bad. You know, it's not that bad. Why, Why make it any harder? But the thing is, it's going to get harder. Whether it's this life, next life. Or the life after. If you don't make progress upwards, you will only make progress downwards. There's no staying the same. So um, these are the modes, you know. They just naturally they'll just they'll drag you. So you have to keep keep doing it. But so austerity, especially if you have a comfortable life, I'd say voluntarily take on some austerities would would break you out of that um, that comfort zone. And we don't have to like manufacture anything. Like just do what we've been told to do properly. Wake up early. Do your rounds, do service, follow the four regs strictly. You don't have to do anything beyond that. You don't have to make up stuff and go for cold plunges and you know stand on one leg or whatever. But just follow the process as strictly as you possibly can. And if you if you're in a comfortable place, you have no excuse not to do it. You can understand if someone's like, you know, really <coughs> struggling somewhere in Africa and you know they have to go out early mornings or they can't do you know then different story. Not the case for us. We can do it. Just. You mentioned a few of the nice stories about devotional service, Sanatana Bhakti and Sadhusanga. Mm. So it seems like that roadmap is key to like our spiritual success. And like tracking where we're at on our roadmap is like um, I feel like we don't have enough emphasis on tracking where we're at. Mm. Like how one, how do we track where we're at? Because they're not mutually exclusive stages. Um, and they're also hard to judge. So we need other people like telling us, oh no, you're not actually there, you're here. And so one, how do we track them? So like, yeah, how do you track them, and and in what forms can you track them? Um, so typically, that's why one is you have to be in the association of devotees, but also your spiritual master, who, if if it's not your spiritual master, at least senior devotees. Like that's one important thing. Like you should have, you should have a group of there's your spiritual master, but also shiksha gurus who are around you and see you regularly that can more better judge where you're making progress, where you're slipping, where you're not picking stuff up and that's why this whole thing of association of devotees is so very key if you try to do it alone you could be going off tangent and 
there's no one to tell you. Do you think there needs to be like more emphasis on it? Because we talk about it once in a blue moon, right? Um, maybe at this stage, or like we haven't catch up about this specifically once in a blue moon. Like we don't really talk about this much. Um, so like, do you think there needs to be a bigger push, at least from PS's side, um, mm-hmm. in terms of like, what if it's like one-to-one, two-to-one, like actually tracking where people are at and like, even if it's for yourself, yeah, just understand so you know how to progress. Otherwise I feel like you get to like 50 and you don't progress. Yeah. And then it's just like, well, what's the point? Yeah, no, it's true. Yeah. Naveen, probably you've got a better answer for that. How to, how to track within PS. Uh, I mean, I think within within the younger age groups, um, I think it's pretty straightforward in terms of, you know, you come and do the association of the bogeys, uh, you take up the practice of budging clear, uh, or the practice of social life, and then, um, and that that is a long period of time where that practice is happening. So I don't think it's necessarily so difficult to understand there. Um, but I think a, l- a lot of the reason why we may not speak about it so much in a large group is that we'll get we'll have different people at different levels in a large group. Definitely. Um, but I think there are like Sankapa Kaumudi by Shiva Maharaj, um, that book that was wrote re- relatively recently, um, that's the purpose of that book. Uh, the purpose of that book is to give the bogies um, a guide, and we did a sangha on that, like, um, where, you know, to, to help the bogies understand how you can self-assess, because it is important for us to understand that, because otherwise we can also misunderstand what other people might be doing because we don't understand that we're actually at a different level to them. And um, for them to understand, for devotees to understand where they're at themselves and what the next step is for them. Mm. I think that's the key thing, like th- there's two parts. One is where am I at right now? And the second is what's my next step? <coughs> because my next immediate step is not necessarily your immediate next step or somebody else's, right? So that, uh, that the, I mean, that's a, it is a really key thing. And, um, but this requires study. Because, you know, unless a guru is going to say to you, hey, you're here, which is not going to happen, let's face it. So a lot of it is going to be about self-assessment and then corroborated with, like you said, shiksha gurus. Um, but that self-assessment requires study because if we don't study, we won't be able to understand how yeah. what it is that we're supposed to do. That's why it, it, it I mean... I'm talking about Sankhava Kormudi specifically, but you know, obviously there's Nabiru Kalonami and other texts, but um, yeah, we, it's not an easy thing. Mm. Shiva Bhakti Chintamani is also very, very good at the beginning stage to yeah. see if you're making progress. That is, that is very good. Yeah. But maybe, maybe it's something like within a cohort, if, th- if there's a cohort that's relatively similar yeah. in profile and if they were serious about something like that they could study something like Sankarakarmi and understand mm-hmm. it. Because like once one I see it happen with mental mental relationship but sometimes that may not be mature enough. I don't so think how do you like I don't think in for PS I don't think that's possible. Mainly because the mentors most of the well sorry <laughs> many mentors <laughs> many mentors are not in a position to be able to make that judgment and yeah, it, it's a dangerous thing in, in a mentorship like, so you can have some who, who if they have studied it if they actually understand it it's like you know you, you, you go to somebody for that type of diagnosis from somebody who actually understands what they're talking about otherwise you can become very speculative and that's, that's, that's more dangerous than not talking about it so if somebody knows they've studied it, they understand, you know, then that's fine. But if you don't, we, we did Shiva Bhakti Chintamani with Naveen Krishna. That was, I think, for all the boys in that sangha, that was a real, because it helped you to actually see, oh, okay, this is where I'm basically getting to a place mm-hmm. where I'm actually not making progress or where I think I'm making progress. So, um, yeah, we haven't done that. So, yeah. We, that was Shiva Bhakti, we did the Nabiru Kalamini and NIB 1 to 19 together. <laughs> so that yeah. was uh, quite intense. But 
The Sankalpa Pramudi as well kind of yeah, between those. Yeah, it needs to, that's what I mean, like you need to it study to it, you need to kind of get into it. We should set that up so anyone who's interested can come to that. That's something that's um, yeah. It's very powerful actually. Examples of when the disciples have asked their spiritual master and they have revealed it. But it's based on um, the spiritual master for the text by Vajrayantaka that I was speaking about. That the, the, the individual disciple is, uh, is also coming to that with some form of real insight into their own self. Yeah. So the Guru is asking them questions and then they're able to answer that honestly and reasonably precisely. For that, for for the spiritual master to make an accurate diagnosis of what's going on. So I'm not I'm not at all saying that the spiritual master won't do that, and I think it's very helpful if you if you can have that conversation yeah. with the spiritual master. I'm just saying that it, it you can't go into that blind, like a lot of people yeah. do go into it quite blind. What do you mean by blind? Like blind means just like uninformed, like really having no idea, yeah. and then. You know, it just becomes like, it, it can become quite a waste of, a waste of everybody's time, really. So, you know, if, you, if you're serious about that type of level of conversation, then you also have to invest in that. Like, so, like, you have to understand something about the process. Yeah. And um, so that when the, when the spiritual master does ask you clarifications, you can respond to that. But, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's one of the roles of the spiritual master. say self-diagnosis, I don't mean an actual diagnosis, yeah, but you have, a, yeah. you have an understanding yeah. and then it's verified and it's positive, as doing it for Guru has to examine it. There's also like um, like dependence, but like most of us will get limited time with a spiritual master. So like, you know, your progress can fluctuate, may, may fluctuate uh, wildly in between those <coughs> meetings. So you have to have some level of self and that's why sometimes I find like the, like the even like good peer association or, or close or you know people just slightly older or <coughs> in front of you can can sometimes um, can sometimes judge better <coughs> where you're at and where you're struggling. So th those shiksha relationships are sometimes more important because just because they they know you better, yeah. they, they can assess you on a gradual basis better because they they see you regularly. Like our spiritual masters in our movement are very busy, and so the mentors are the 
one or are the closest things to my viewership to doing that. And so, uh, and they've been the successful probably, aside from my friends, our peers. I was going to ask you a question, first of all, on slightly unrelated to this, but um, how do you deal with setbacks or what's your understanding like setbacks on our material responsibilities on material like um, obviously like you said you're in the top five percent you're never really like struggling but sometimes <coughs> you have shake-ups and that can affect our even faith in Christian consciousness even uh, after the fact of like 10 20 years um, and how to kind of always have that inner conviction that Krishna has a plan and it's better than whatever I was thinking you know like kind of thing having that faith even though during setbacks or difficulties Oh, this is good for me, and this will work out, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, good association is key. Like, I know if I've ever had challenges, it's the, it's the devotees around me that have come to the rescue. Um, and, and that's what I was saying about this, you know, it's important to have good relationships amongst yourselves, because when you do have setbacks, those are the people that will will carry you forward. Because, um, yeah, d depending on what it is, you know, there's some stuff which we may not be able to deal with alone. And, you know, it's not like I, I don't mean to belittle in that that 5% doesn't mean that, you know, people go through stuff. Devotees go through a lot of stuff, sometimes more stuff than uh, the materialists, you know. So it's uh, it's not the... It's not the fact that you'll go through stuff. If you're in the material world, you're going to get mud on you one way or another. You know, something will happen. So, um, but the, the point is, is that how we, how we deal with it. And so part of it is also why it's important to have um, good association and, and good friendships and have this kind of brotherhood with you is that, um, you know, you'll know when, when, when each other are struggling um, and, and you should feel free that you can open up. You can say, look, guys, this is, I'm going through this right now. And, you know, and then and you should all be able to help each other. Um, and, yeah, with ourselves, we have to just, yeah, you have to have faith. Take take example from other devotees. That, that really helps me. You see some of the struggles that devotees go through. It's, I mean, it's incredible, you know. And so sometimes we think that those things are negative, that they're actually opportunities for us to understand that, uh, the material world is broken and that's why we're feeling broken it's not us actually it's the material world that's broken and because we identify it so much when it breaks we also break so like you have to understand that actually the, all these things are just temporary they'll pass and um, and it gives us a chance to actually increase our faith in Krishna because it should make you understand that you know this material world the whole material world is a setback it's a setback from getting to the spiritual world. So, like, you know, when it comes, like, don't be so surprised. That's the point of it. <laughs> if it doesn't happen, you should be worried because it means it's making you comfortable. So, um, yeah, just, you know, uh, understand it in that way. And, um, yeah, you know, and sometimes I find, you know, if you focus on helping other people with the stuff they're going through, your stuff really becomes into perspective because the false ego is such... You know, you, you stub your toe and you think it's the end of the world. You know, it's like that's the, it's so powerful. It can just completely bewilder you from all sense of reality. So yeah, we have to like just keep focused on other people and you know what they're going through, and you, it puts our actual suffering in, and it makes it easier to deal with because you realize actually one is not alone, not alone, but two is my suffering might not be as big as I think it is. You know, it's just my ego playing tricks on me. Is that okay? Yeah, it's a tough one. People people go through a lot of stuff. So you have to always be always be kind because um, you know we may be good at dealing with certain things, and we're bad at dealing with other things, and vice versa for other people. So always have to um, always be compassionate what people are going through because um, one day it will come to us and we think we're okay with it. When it comes to you, that's when you see actually I'm not any stronger. Anything else? Doc? Naveen? Doc Lamini? Sean? Okay, 
if you ever get these opportunities to go and you know travel with a spiritual master or you know even just go for a weekend break or whatever to you know spend some time with a pure devotee just don't miss that it's like the most powerful thing you can do it'll change your life so um <laughs> on, on that note, um, can you tell us the, the experience you had in that country when you were on the Sakya Nawaz where you had kind of some realization of Dharma and someone who's ready to come to the So I went traveling with Bhakti Charaswami for about two weeks uh, uh, just when I finished one year of uni. Um, so that was amazing because I was quite new in, in Christian consciousness. I was only, I think I was 19 or something. And um, yeah, I was kind of chucked in the deep end. Because I, I was basically, I was, uh, Sandipan and Dina Krishna were uh, serving Bhakti Charaswami. And then they had to leave for like four days or five days. So they just left me to serve Maharaj. I, I, I didn't know anything really. Um, Maharaj was very kind. But yeah, that was, um, yeah, that was an incredible experience because I don't know if you, I mean, some of you guys have had the opportunity, but if, when you serve, when you're like a personal servant, you don't think about yourself at all, the whole day. You just don't think about yourself. Like, your, your mind is just constantly thinking about, okay, Maharaj eaten, have I, do, have I done the clothes, uh, have I called this person, have I arranged the car, uh, you know, what time are we going to be back, do I need to arrange the schedule for tomorrow, have I arranged the flight, like, you're just never thinking about yourself. And it's one of the, few times in my life I can remember like that feeling of just being selfless because you're forced to so um, <laughs> not because I'm selfless but um, yeah and it's actually it's like a really powerful liberating uh, experience where you realize that actually it's like our mind just makes a whole big thing about ourselves you know but actually if you put yourself out there for others it's like yeah you, you it's like a you feel clear you almost you feel clear in your purpose and vision and, and then also I saw with Maharaj like what it's someone who's like like spontaneously attracted to Krishna you know like I remember he was we were they just set up the Ajain um, website and they had like a daily darshan they just set up the daily darshan thing so someone had sent Maharaj a link and he saw the deities and he was he was working on his laptop with some stuff and he just he saw the picture of the deities and he just said can you just get my bead back and then he just sat there for four hours chanting to that picture. Just stopped everything, you know. And then, um, then there was one time where he, um, there was a phone call at like three in the morning. And so, um, oh sorry, no, Maharaj had arranged to do a phone call at three in the morning. And I was thinking, you know, we were going to sleep at about 10. And uh, I was thinking, why did he arrange a call at three in the morning? And he'd arranged a call at three in the morning because that was a convenient time for the devotee in the other country. And he spoke to him for three, four hours and then woke up again early. I like, you know, just didn't, almost didn't sleep. And, uh, and I realized, like, you know, so someone in his position, you think, okay, look, you know, phone call, they'll call again later or, you know, whatever. But he wanted to be there for that devotee. So he called at a time that's convenient for him. And he literally didn't sleep that whole day. And I was 19. I was, like, quite fit and healthy. I could not keep up. It's like any moment I was like, because <laughs> <laughs> just could not keep up, and that you know that, like we're talking about determination, you know, like they, because of that determination to be with Krishna, they have conquered sleep, they have conquered the you know material attachment, they conquered everything. You know, everything is just there for the service of the Lord. So um, that was a real eye opener for me because even at nineteen, fit and healthy, I could not keep up with my resistance. So that that was a that was a nice one. And um, and then with Chuti Dhammaka, we were a few of us were fortunate to be able to, to look after him uh, on certain days, and uh, you know, despite the you know difficult situation he was going through, as you're saying, you know, like difficult situation, he was always so kind and concerned about everyone else, and like you know, I was thinking when I get a flu, like literally, you know, it's like the whole world has to revolve around me until I get better. And uh, he was in this position, and he just he just constantly cared about everyone else. How are you? What are you doing? What, what, what can we do for the mission? How can we push things on? I was thinking, in that position, how can you be so detached? It's just, 
still can't figure it out to this day. But um, yeah, that's why these these moments are you know, because sometimes otherwise it can be theory, until you see it in practice with the pure devotee. Then when you see it in practice, you know, because we're so kind of like uh, my point is especially because you're neophyte, like you have to see it in the flesh. You have to see the proof. So when you see these devotees and how they, how they are, that gives you proof. Actually, this process works. This is a pure devotee. This is what the books talk about. You read those descriptions, you see their personality, you think this is it. It's true. And that gives you the faith. That, okay, this is worth going for. It's worth making that leap across the wall. Sorry, maybe you want to say something? No, I was going to ask, um, like sometimes when we speak about risk and taking risk and, and different personality types or different psychologies are more or less risk averse. Yeah. So, you know, some people are fine taking risk, even in the material world, uh, and some people are less so. And so for those who are less uh, comfortable taking risk, um, I, I know you've spoken about it in the past and maybe it's in reference to that you could explain a bit about um, if you're not that person who's kind of able to or willing to or wanting to actually take risk, how you can still be part of something which is still risky. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like how how, how you might see or kind of... Well, yeah. I think it does... Um, I'm sorry, maybe I misunderstood the question actually. But when, when you're saying risk, I like for me that it's kind of the risk of like not committing 100% to Krishna consciousness, like yeah. that risk. Like the risk of like staying in the material world or trying to enjoy materially, like that that risk. Because it's a trade-off, right? We're only here for however many years. You have a choice in life what you're going to do. You're either going to be like everyone else or you're going to take to this path. Um, and like, it's like, you know, you see a path, you, you can't take both of them, it doesn't work. So that risk is that you have to give up that stuff, like that, that risk, right? I meant, mm. you, but you meant risk in services. Or, or yeah, whichever, however you're framing it. So, so if, if it's that, then, then, then the question probably is more along the lines of, you know, until you have strong conviction, then one is more risky than the other. Because if I, do, I don't need that much conviction in the material world. I mean, I do, obviously I do. But, but in the sense that um, it's more immediate, isn't it, in terms of the, the results. It's more kind of tangible, apparently, at least. Than spiritual life. So until we have strong faith in spiritual life, that <coughs> seems like a much more risky option. Because you know, like the yeah, okay. Yeah. I mean, like, see, it also depends, like, how and what your what your goal is. Like, even even materially, like. You know, so like, you'll have material people who are like, yeah, I'll risk it all to to make it to the top. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't, I'm, I don't care about the in between. I, I don't, I don't want the middle. It has to be the top or nothing. I don't. Uh, I'm willing to take that risk. Mm -hmm. And then there's other people who are like, well, I look, I'm, I'm happy at the, the medium. I don't, I don't need to. And, um, but I guess I don't know. I just think actually, <laughs> Krishna consciousness is a bit. It's kind of all or nothing, you know. It's like that's the process. I mean, you you still the good thing about a spiritual process is you doesn't matter how far you get along, you, you keep what you. There's no loss, no loss, no loss of diminishing. So there's no loss where you get to, but like if you really want to place the fruit at the top of the tree, that time will have. So um, yeah, I mean even even in services it's like. So, you know, like we often hear, like we had this, uh, that alumni program with Chan Sundati. So someone was saying like, what if you're just, you know, like you don't want to, you know, you don't want to go to Africa and you don't want to go to the Yemen to preach and risk your life or go to Iraq or wherever. You know, you, you just want to, you know, you just want to do like a regular service at the manor. But like, you know, it's not about the how risky the thing is. The, the point is what, the, the real risk is what like, um, 
what you risk by not fully committing. So like you take someone like Mother Kalandani. So for 40 years she would make Mangalai soup at the manor. And she would make them as purely as possible. They'd become world-renowned. Like, but the same service that one could say, you know, it's not, it's not like, you know, Trabuzma's going to Africa. Like, it's not risky in that sense, materially risky. But like, she, if you, if you, if you ever had the good fortune of talking to her, like, she like everything is Krishna. Like, you know, like there's nothing material. So like for her, she like, like she, if you had to go to Africa, she'd go to Africa to make the suits. No problem. She didn't need to. But, you know, like, she'd given up everything material. So the, the risk of, like, not... F she'd fully committed. So, the, you know, she'd taken that step of the risk of, okay, do I go back? You know? It's like the, you've fully committed into the service, even though it's not a materially dangerous service. Mm. So I was thinking in that way, like, the, the risk of not fully committing. The risk of always keeping one foot mm. in comfort and... Is it like is it like you think the security in Krishna is it the same like rather than material wealth? Yeah, he put everything in Krishna. Yeah, that was yeah. people like my friend and she put that faith in yeah. Krishna as my director and whatever like that. You know, just around that so you continue to do that. Yeah. Well, on that point, I think the point said about um, you know how do you keep every person involved? Mm. It's best for us basically. We all have our own inclination of what we are good at doing, and we get enthusiastic about doing that. Obviously, if you have a support of putting us to the front line, well, and there are many who are finance, but yeah, for you, and they support you, but you see the figure of it. So it all depends on the, the support, the mentors who, who are saying that, you know what, because getting into that stretch zone makes you more dependable on Krishna. Because if you're good at it, you just be oh, yeah, I know it. Piece of cake, I can do any time. It's easy, I've done a million times. But something I've never done, and I dread doing that. I mean, if you're perpetually in that state, you leave, you run away, man, and just like freak out. You know, people are not fit for Pujari service, and they're just back on and on and on doing it, and then 30 years later, they find, oh my God, you know, I, I love doing something here, going out in the bush. But it, it actually, you know, again, amongst the sons of the devotees who identify, you know, this guy is doing things what he loves to do and he thinks is what he loves it, but he, there's a tendency of that person becoming proud or puffed up or getting, you know, becoming an expert in that. Mm. Which again is a, become a disqualification because he's not been put into a position with the support where he needs to depend mm. because the service is out of his control, out of his sink, out of his psychological nature, which is also needed. So, but that all that courage can come only from um, a mentor or a, or a sangha or a people saying, hey, you know, this is, we've never done this, or we've tried that, you should do this for us. Yeah, no, there's like, that's why PS is really good. Because at a very young age, you get to do a whole range yeah. of services. You find your thing that you're good at. And even if you're not good at something, but you want to try it, like, yeah. you you know, there's there's avenues to do it, and who knows, you might actually be really good at it, especially if you depend on Krishna. Because I'll see ultimately that like the materialists, they're dependent on material facilities for Most things to happen. Yeah. They're they're basically you know they're dependent on karma, they're dependent yeah. on resources, all these things. Like look at Shri Prabhupada. It's not like not dependent on anything. Came across no money, no resource. Not particularly, um, you know, he had a heavy accent, Bengali accent, but. Krishna, if you want my speech to be suitable, you make it suitable. And so we have those examples of yeah. that actually do. You can do anything in Krishna consciousness. You know, the problem is that in the material world, like that's that's the whole thing now. You go on social media. You can be anyone. You can do anything. You know, the, But they don't include the most important fact, which is karma. So it's like, you know, it's just, and then people just in this dream thing. And that's why you see. Many people, despite it being all over social media, probably less actual progressive stuff going on. Still the same few people actually doing stuff. So, like, yeah, Krishna consciousness is the actual place where you can do anything. But that means you have to rely on Krishna. You have to surrender to Krishna and then anything is possible. But as long as you think it's materially possible, 
uh, Tom will come and teach you a lesson at some point. Yeah, thank you. Right. Can you get three loud variables in the shed?